Hello and welcome to What's the Story Ghost? I'm your host Annette. And I'm Stephen. And today we are on episode 80. 85. Five! Sorry, I have 84 sitting here in front of me. I was like, no, we already did this. Say 85 again. 85. Scuba dive! Oh, that <laughs> was a trouble. Stephen. Bad trouble. Go ahead. Have you ever been to West Virginia? Yeah. Have you? Yeah, it's somewhere 69. No, I think you're thinking of a different song. You're thinking of... I wasn't even born 16. Country home, take me home. Oh, no, it's actually country country roads. roads. Yeah, okay. Country home, take me roads. (laughs) I'm drunk and I want a good time. (laughs) Okay, I think we should crack on, yeah. We've never covered a prison where I step back from the laptop and think, you know what? That wasn't so bad. So I didn't think West Virginia State Penitentiary would be much different. But when you think about today's statistics versus when the penitentiary closed in 1995, I don't know how anyone worked there when it was open, never mind working among the ghosts left behind today. Today, there is one guard for every 6.7 prisoners, according to the American Correctional Association. At the time of its closing, 653 prisoners were housed and guarded by a staff of 32 employees, making every guard responsible for 20.4 prisoners each. This statistic wasn't just a digress, it turned into a massive rabbit hole for me, but moving on. During the Civil War, West Virginia seceded from Virginia in 1863, meaning it withdrew formally. The new state was in immediate need of public institutions, including prisons, but these buildings would take time and money. From 1863 to 1866, West Virginia's Governor Arthur Borman lobbied the new legislator for a state penitentiary but was repeatedly denied. As a result, prisoners were held in existing county jails or sent to institutions out of state, but not to Virginia. The situation may have been Unfortunate, but they were still incensed about the separation and barred West Virginia from using their facilities. After nine inmates escaped in 1865, the local press took up the cause and the legislator took action. On February 7th, 1866, the state legislator approved the purchase of land in Moundsville for the purpose of constructing a state prison. The penitentiary's design was similar to the prison in Joliet, Illinois. With its gothic stone structure, complete with turrets and battlements, except it was scaled down to half the size. You may recognise that prison from the first season of Prison Break. The first structure built was the North Wagon Gate, made with hand-cut sandstone which was quarried from a local site. Work on the first phase of the prison continued until 1876, when it was completed at a cost of just $363,061. This was achieved with the help of inmate labour, of course. South Hall had 224 cells, about 7 foot by 4 foot, and North Hall had a kitchen, dining area, hospital and chapel. The four-storey tower connecting the two was the administration building. It included space for female inmates and personal living quarters for the warden and his family. The facility officially opened and it had its prison population of 251 male inmates, including some who had helped construct the prison. They didn't know it at the time, but for some of those men, this was comparable to digging their own grave. 
After this phase, work began on prison workshops and other secondary facilities. In addition to construction, the inmates had other jobs to do in support of the prison. In the early 1900s, some industries within the prison walls included a carpentry shop, paint shop, wagon shop, stone yard, brickyard, blacksmith, tailor, bakery and a hospital. At the same time, revenue from the prison farm and inmate labour helped the prison financially. It was virtually self-sufficient. A prison coal mine located a mile away opened in 1921. This mine helped fill some of the prison's energy needs and saved the state an estimate $14,000 a year. Some inmates were allowed to stay at the mine's camp under the supervision of a mine foreman who was not a prison employee. Conditions at the prison during the turn of the 20th century were good, according to the warden's report, which stated that both quantity and the quality of all the purchases of material, food and clothing had been very gradually but steadily improved, while the discipline had become more nearly perfect and the exaction of labour less stringent. Construction of a school and a library was completed in the 1900s to help reform and educate inmates who regularly attend a class. However, the conditions of the prison worsened through the years, and the facility would be ranked on the United States Department of Justice's top 10 most violent correctional facilities list. One of the more infamous locations in the prison was the recreational room known as the Sugar Shack. They had pool tables, ping pong tables, arcade games, couches. Sounds cushy. But it was actually a very dangerous area for staff and officers. They would often have been by themselves, and wouldn't have had anything to defend themselves with should something have kicked off. Not to mention the place is covered in blind spots. This is where I bring up the statistic I mentioned at the beginning. So there may have been a hundred inmates working their way through this room and who knows if there would have even been five guards. So a lot of the time, officers wouldn't really be monitoring the prisoners while they were in that room. Which led to it being a place of gambling, fighting and an awful lot of nasty under the radar type of activities hence the room being nicknamed the Sugar Shack. Today, many who enter this space experience physical touch from unseen entities, though apparitions have been seen and unexplained sounds heard. In 1929, the state decided to double the size of the penitentiary because overcrowding was a problem. The 5x7 cells were too small to hold three prisoners at a time, but until the expansion, there was no other option. Two prisoners would sleep in the bunks and a third sleeping on a mattress on the floor. The state used prison labour again and completed this phase of construction in 1959. The construction had been delayed by the steel shortage during World War II. I'm not quite sure of the total, but a number of homicides took place in the prison. One of the more notable ones was the butchering of Ordee Wall. According to Jason from Paranormal Quest, who commented during the paranormal investigation carried out by Amy from Amy's Crypt, I will link her investigation, it's really scary. The hole, as some called it, it's like a bloody dungeon, was used for solitary confinement for many, many years, until around the 1950s. Inmates would have been shackled to the walls by the wrists for anywhere from a couple of days to over a month at a time in total darkness. We've discussed this during the many haunted prison episodes we've talked about, that solitary confinement was often carried out in total darkness. Prisoners wouldn't know if it was day or night, or even how long they were down there. One of the older correctional officers that worked at West Virginia stated, 
that you could barely take a step anywhere in the hull without hearing the crunching of cockroaches or insects under your feet. Many of the prisoners went into solitary confinement and came out struggling with their mental health, of course, but also their eyesight. It was around the mid-50s when they converted the area into a boiler room and maintenance area. It was cleaned up and they installed electricity and lights. Listeners beware, this part's a bit gruesome. Now, down in the boiler room lived Robert Daniel Wall, inmate number 44670. He was a model prisoner and favourite of the wardens. Therefore, he was entrusted to work as an inmate maintenance clerk. He spent the majority of his time under the administration building in the prison's boiler room, working and even living near the base of operations for the maintenance department. Now, it's common knowledge that inmates serving sentences for certain crimes against women and children tend to be targets of violence from other inmates. Ordi was serving a life sentence for a rape conviction, but the prisoners cared more about the fact that Ordi was allegedly a prison snitch. It was rumoured that a day or so before, an inmate overheard Ordi speaking with the warden at the time, Richard Moan, about some of the illicit activities of the other inmates. After breakfast on the morning of the 8th of October, 1979, a group of inmates snuck downstairs, armed with their homemade knives, and attacked Wall. He managed to briefly break free from his attackers, but died in the adjoining room. His attack was brutal. His fingertips were cut off, and it's believed his throat was cut so badly he was nearly decapitated. Overall, it was a horrible, bloody and vicious murder. Although there are a lot of rumours and false information out there about Ordi Wall, we do know from the Associate Press newspaper article about the murder that this and another attack later in the day followed a prison-wide theft investigation. Ordi Wall is said to still roam the area trying to make contact with those who dare enter his basement home. Women who have visited the area where he was killed have said to have felt a hand stroking their hair or their cheek. Men generally feel contact on their arms or their side. Disembodied footsteps and voices have been heard, and a man in a khaki uniform believed to be Wall has been reported. And then there was William Red Schneider. Born in 1946, Red started his criminal career early in his 20s and escalated. He served time in many prisons and when released... It didn't take long before he'd wind up back inside again. After being paroled from West Virginia Penitentiary, Red returned home. On finding out his 15-year-old sister was in love with the boy next door, Red saw Red and told his father he wanted to kill the boy. We can only speculate that Red's father's response not to touch the boy caused what happened the following morning. But for whatever reason, Red got up that morning walked into his father's room, stared down at his father sleeping, took out a gun and shot him dead. Unfortunately, that was only the beginning of the terrifying ordeal that would soon take another life. While Red's father lay cold in his bed, he walked to the Grog house. Frank Grog, the father of the house, was out with his wife at the time, but their eight children, including Red's sister's boyfriend, were home, so Red took them all hostage. When Mr. and Mrs. Grog returned home, Frank jumped Red, and in trying to wrestle the gun from Red's hands, the gun discharged. That day, both the Schneider and the Grog's families lost their fathers. Red, of course, ran, but didn't get very far. Not quite sure where the cop was aiming, but Red was stopped abruptly by a bullet to the leg. And as I said, no sooner was he out, he was back in again, this time back to West Virginia Penitentiary. 
For a time while inside, he led the Aryan Brotherhood, the oldest white supremacist prison gang in the United States. But Red's involvement wasn't to be for control or because he was racist, but just to survive. Eventually, he was considered a straight shooter among the inmates, with the common opinion of, you leave Red Schneider alone and he'll return the favour. There was a cam, albeit a tense cam, for about 20 years. Red spent his days watching Days of Our Lives habitually, chewing tobacco and fashioning his knit hat. Then in 1986, the cam disappeared when a prison riot broke out, a riot that some say Red helped start. Though hostages were taken, it was three inmates that were killed during the riot, leading to a heavy lockdown in the North Hall. This didn't go down well, but retaliation wasn't rushed. In fact, it wasn't until November 15, 1992 that actions were taken. That particular day, the guards felt comfortable enough to let the inmates walk about. Red was said to be resting in a cell and he was visited by who Red believed to be his good friend Rusty Lassiter. They talked a little, even laughed and joked around a bit. Then out of nowhere, Rusty took out a sharp piece of metal, later found out to have been detached from his bed frame and sharpened off. Rusty plunged the metal makeshift weapon into Red's body 37 times. When the guards finally arrived, it was said that the walls of cell number 20 were drenched in blood and Red was dead. The last murder that took place in the prison was January 1995, not long before the prison closed. It was an inmate named Robert Quimby. Despite Jason from Paranormal Quest getting some first-hand information while he was conducting a tour, it turned out someone from the group he was leading around the prison was one of the paramedics that arrived the day Robert was attacked. No one knows what the motivation for this attack was. Well, I mean, someone knows, but no one's talking. The paramedic described to Jason in some pretty graphic details that Robert was stabbed an estimated 25 to 30 times. He was officially the last inmate that was murdered in the prison. Over the space of nearly 120 years, West Virginia State Penn bore witness to hundreds of deaths. From executions, which there were 94, as well as murders and suicides aplenty. But as happens with most prisons, let's not forget those who died after being subjected to brutal beatings and violent punishments administered by prison guards. In this facility, torture was extremely common. As part of one punishment, prisoners were bound in a device called the Kicking Jenny and were whipped with leather straps. The straps were dipped in water, then in sand. Until either the officer became exhausted or the victim died, the whipping wouldn't end. Only 50% of the torture victims survived. A prisoner named John G. Roberts was whipped to the point where most of his skin and flesh were completely removed. He lies buried under the walls of the prison. In the early 1940s, the federal government came to investigate the allegations of torture. Everything else was removed ahead of time, but they did find one device which was oddly named the shoe fly. In this device, you would be strapped with your arms stretched and bound. No more than two inches from your face was a fire hose. The officers turned it on and walked away. You would sooner pray that you drowned because if you were still alive when the guards came back, it was straight to the kicking Jenny with you. But these torture techniques were used on the inmates that the officers did not like, whatever BS justification that is. Hanging was the preferred method of carrying out the death sentence, and it could be viewed by the public. However, they did have several botched executions. 
1931, an inmate named Frank Heyer was set for hanging. He was a large man, so when Frank dropped, he was completely decapitated by the noose. His body fell straight to the ground, but his head rolled right to the feet of the public. From then on, executions were held privately, but could be viewed by invitation. To this day, dozens of people have reported seeing a headless ghost walking around, hunched over as though searching for its head. By 1951, electrocution was the preferred method of execution. Known as Old Sparky, the electric chair used to end the lives of nine still resides in the prison. Approximately 1,000 men lost their lives within the prison walls, and many of their souls remain. While entering the shower cages or walking through the cell blocks, you could be brought face to face with any one of them. What do you think of that story? That was really good. Wasn't it? Yeah, there's lots in that, yeah. Um, there's a couple of things, that, well actually there's a whole bunch of things, but we're at 27 minutes now and I know that's editing a bit, so we're probably going to be looking at a 20 minute episode. You've just given away how much, how much you're going to cut out of this. <laughs> it's it's going to be like, me messing. They went from 27 and it's like down to like 15 minutes. minutes. <laughs> um, there's so much that I couldn't add in because it, I was getting on to 20, 22 minutes of reading time. I was like, there's no, I can't keep the episode. I can't include absolutely everything. I can, however, include the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten links, including one podcast, one video, and a whole bunch of other reading material for this. Because this, this is a great text. story. You get you get links and homework. <laughs> it's it, it's definitely worth reading up. There were three other points that I did want to point out, and I have a video, not a video, but I want to show you a piece of a video. So there's a corridor in this prison called either Shadow Man Hallway or Shadow Man Corridor. Do you remember the episode we covered on Rhinum Hall? Yeah. With the ghost walking down the stairs. Yes. There are very few photographs that I see where I'm kind of like, yeah, that's legit. And, and, you know, they've tried to debunk that photo and they've tried to debunk this one. So it's either Shadow Man Hallway or Shadow Man Corridor. But i wasn't able to get a photo of it anywhere but in amy's crypt in her episode where she covers this this is the corridor and this is the the shadow man for the viewer or for the listeners at home and that has produced a photograph for me on the on the <laughs> it's, interweb it's a still of the video so again like, like i said guys i will include the video because her investigation is pretty spooky and she's not like some of the some of the people that do ghost um investigations can be quite over enthusiastic to the point where it's kind of a little uh, cringy mm. whereas hers aside from the fact that she's a lovely accent um her episodes are very factual and if she in this particular episode she was like what's that banging noise oh my god and then she edited the video to say actually guys we found out later on that this wasn't something banging this was loose glass in a window pane that was making a knocking sound mm. so like if something can be debunked she'll debunk it herself but this is the corridor and basically one of the paranormal investigators were was doing an investigation she turned around shone her light and this little dude here is called the shadow man now given everybody i named off to you there i'm sure you probably have a couple of characters that could be anybody they have no idea who he is he doesn't 
identify as like a really tall ghost where you could kind of go okay well there was only he one prisoner literally the average size shape <laughs> yeah. yeah he's not like and when I turned my head there for a minute whatever way I looked and my my glasses on and it just to start it, I was like oh my god he moved yeah but he didn't couple, he did move nobody can no. move there's a couple of things that happen in that video as well and I know I'm basically just advertising this woman's Facebook page or Instagram or YouTube or whatever she's brilliant but herself and I think her filming partner or her boyfriend i'm not 100 percent sure he has a camera that he shows you he's got not infrared what's it called not glow in the dark he she can no like that's a missile it's not infrared because he did show the infrared camera there was one where it's basically it looks like a green display of everything it's night vision night vision yeah. yes okay and in the night vision, he sees a shadow somewhere. And he's like, no, hang on a second. Shine your light on that there and I'll turn this onto the normal camera. And the, the shadow completely disappears. And I was like, okay, I don't know if that's a, a kind of funky paint that they have that illuminates because. Yeah. But then I was like, this place is so spooky already. They don't need to do any of that stuff where they mm. like over scarify. That's not a word. Over scarify. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, I know I said a thousand people a thousand people over 120 years doesn't seem like that much but when it was 94 people who were executed like they actually had death sentences it shows you the massive number of people that were just killing people but that's that's a lot of murder and a lot of suicide it's a lot of paperwork I, do you know what sometimes I don't even know if these numbers are legitimate because they would rather not do the paperwork yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> just another quick tip because everybody mentioned it but I didn't know where to put it because I didn't exactly do this chronologically there's a couple of bits scattered in 1983 convicted murderer Charles Manson requested to be transferred to this prison to be nearer to his family his request was obviously denied I just think it's so funny why would you want to go to a horrendous prison like it was a massive riot because of treatment and everything that we that the prisoners were going through and but the thought of guards doing some of those torture techniques and stuff like that on inmates that they just didn't like mm. like if you weren't a snitch what did you have to do to get on a guard's good side like it's it was it's kind of terrifying do you have characters for me i have me? a couple of characters yay or do you yes bad guy bad, they're all bad guys yeah. so sam sam rockwell He's an actor. He played the character of Wild Bill, Wild Bill Wharton, in a film you may or may not have seen called The Green Mile. He was, I seen that movie. he was <laughs> one of the really like there was prisoners in there that you had an affinity with. Obviously, the main character. You do, you do build that, yeah. But this particular guy was just like everybody wanted him to die. Oh. He, he was, he was gonna die anyway. He was, he was on the Green Mile. It's like. Is that Death Row? That's Death oh, Row, okay. yeah. Because it was, a, I think there was the green paint for the length of the you know they, they paint the pathways in between the cells yeah follow the yeah. yellow brick road kind of Finally, thing. yeah but not quite yellow so yeah that was him he he would suit that bad character like, okay he played it really well in the green mile very good um red he looked like a bit of a gangster to me so i went with a fellow called kim coates uh who plays tig traeger in sons of anarchy <laughs> sorry you said traeger and i went straight for trigger yeah <laughs> mm. isn't that only films the no uh, Trigger, Trigger. Tra Traeger, Traeger is actually the caretaker in Friends. He yes dances with Joey. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, and I have one more, the Frank Hoyer, the fella whose head fell off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have two in there, and they both play this really well, but I went a bit more comical effect. Okay, because, yeah. Uh, Kevin James. Oh, no! <laughs> Why did you want to kill my husband? I'm not, it's, it's not, it's, it's for a play or a TV series. I mean, he's I, not my husband. Oh, okay, then what about instead of him, Jack Black? No! <laughs> oh, they'd both be really good at that. And as a side bonus, this, this particular film will be produced by Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> there were no female characters. Yeah. I didn't actually. I looked, but the, I know that the. Oh, I have to show you. If you're a thing. female prisoner in this prison, please don't feel like I'm. You're doing bad. You're, you're, um, so basically, I took one of these because I had really good pictures. This is what the place looked like. Okay. Oh yeah. So this is the um, front clerical place where you go oh, and okay. you get processed, and then there's the warden's room kind of on board for himself and his family <laughs> and there was room for female inmates not for love no money could I find any information on female inmates I think it was like oh we have room because we can't discriminate and we have to like equal and all this kind of stuff um, but I couldn't find anything on any female inmates um, but it's it's a very impressive looking building I say impressive the inside has <laughs> kind of gone to, to gone to the dogs Chapel, Jesus, that is a stingy little. It kind of looks like a war bunker. Yeah, yeah. Um, administration building. Sorry, that's what the the big building in the middle is called. But like, it's if anything, it's it's become a relic now. It's a historical that's piece. A metal box. There's not a window to be seen. No, and most of the rooms had this, and they had a second bunk. Sorry, I'm showing Stephen some pictures here on only in your state. Um, so again I put all these links up but this has some really good pictures of the inside of it um, the cells are tiny Stephen they're 7 by 4 that, or something like that go scroll down so I can get a that's his bed like, that's I thought that bed was right beside your loo like, yep. and your sink yeah, yeah. well that's a standard a sink on top of yeah. a well, it's cistern safe, it's, in safe, a, or it's safe it's space saving um, that's Old Sparky I think Old Sparky so it tends to be the nickname for most electric chairs mm. in prisons but she's still in pretty good nick Considering she was only used like nine times. There's so many links open here. Oh, but your, your listeners should definitely go and check out some of these links. Yeah, but some of some of the guys who actually took photos or, or went to the place, even in the middle of the day, they said, that's your man, Red. Mm -hmm. He's a real Popeye face about him. Um, even people who were on the ghost tours or doing ghost investigations took pictures. Just like, look at that. That's just a random picture because the place is dark. Good lead along. But it, lo I don't <laughs> it looks so ominous. That's the hospital wing. Again, I had to leave that out because I didn't have room for it. Okay. But it is a severely active place. Again, I will put all the links in the description and the show notes. I always do. But if you're going to read any of the stuff that I put up adjacent to the programme, look at these ones because they're just absolutely amazing. That's from Amy's crypt. She, she obviously went to the prison. Um, so she does stuff on her website and then she does stuff on YouTube but the video Stephen <laughs> I'll send it to you you can watch yeah. it if you want or you can just you know take my word for it that it's I'll super scary I'll take um, but have you any other questions no, for me? I'll go there. There's a good episode though, great episode, yeah. yeah. we finish up there? Say your words. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I will, of course, include the links in the show notes. And if you have any questions on this or any other episode, our socials are What's the Story Ghost on Instagram and What's the Story Ghost at gmail.com if you have any personal stories you would like to share. And those are all my words. Exit jingle. Exit jingle. I Bye. Bye! I thought you were gonna go with the other one that we didn't
didn't know the words to. Oh, that's probably why you didn't go to What other one did I not know the words to? Hotel California. No! <laughs> the West Virginia. Oh, yeah. Country. Yeah. Oh, no, Country Road. Oh, maybe I am.